Welcome to Steelcast. In Series 1, we talked to leaders across Tata Steel in the UK about the impact of the coronavirus, the restrictions governments were putting in place, and how that was affecting our markets, our customers, our people, and our suppliers. These modern-day giants of the UK steel industry talked us through the measures they were taking to manage their way through the lockdown, and how steel heroes across the land were responding, the first letter R, to keep our people safe and our business running. In Series 2, we're talking to those people who are down the middle of the next letter R, which is recovery. For the last six months, the narrative within the company has been very much about controlling what we can control and being ready for any upturn in the markets. It is that, after all, which is what will ultimately make the difference to the company's prosperity. As the pandemic hit in March, it seemed that all the big infrastructure projects would be postponed, house builders would down tools for the summer, and there weren't many industries looking at expanding their premises for a while. So the construction sector and all of the supply chains feeding it had good reason to be gloomy. But as cases seemed to be easing, confidence seemed to start returning to the building industry. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson, known for his love of big projects, said the country was going to build, build, build its way out of the economic crisis. Of course, that should have been music to the ears of today's guest on the podcast. But I wonder if it has turned into reality and Tata Steel's construction operations are seeing a return to good times. Today, I'm joined by Tata Steel's Marketing Manager for Construction, Paul White. Paul, a very warm welcome to the pod. Good morning, Tim. Good morning. So, Paul, before we get into the uh, the thrust of the, the conversation about the construction sector, it'd uh, be interesting for our listeners to, to understand a bit about you and, you know, what's your beat route through to, to Marketing Manager for Construction being like within the steel industry? Oh, thanks, Tim. Um... The, uh, I mean, interestingly, next next week on uh, on Monday is my 28th anniversary. I started uh, started with British Steel in October the 5th, 92, straight from straight from school in Flintshire. Uh, I spent most of my time. I came as an A-level entry trainee uh, into the right. commercial function initially. I spent quite a bit of time uh, around logistics, in particular, around 10 years. Most of my time in Shotton. And looking after the internal transport and external transport of the shot and site and then came back into commercial probably 15 years ago something like that uh, as an account manager for, for the colors business worked my way through into commercial manager uh, some time in demand planning and then uh, across into marketing uh, last year wow so you've, you've seen both sides of the coin i guess and having been in the industry for 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 that long uh, you'll have You'll be well versed in the ups and downs of the steel industry and uh, and I guess spending much of your career in shot and uh, the construction industry will be very close to your heart. Now, um, for those listeners who may not quite understand the, the construction industry and Tata Steel's role in it and the sort of products we supply into it, uh, could you tell us a bit about what's in our current portfolio, what sites supply them? Because I guess since uh, we departed from our colleagues in, in Scunthorpe and the, and the British Steel brand, um, it's, it's, we're not a company that makes rail anymore. And we're not a company that makes structural sections. So, so what's left uh, in, in, our, in our sector, Paul? So there's, there's three main sort of areas, I guess, that we've got. Uh, construction is around about 1.5 million tonnes uh, for Tartsdale Europe. Uh, we've got the Colours business, which has got sort of four sites across Europe. Um, with the UK sites doing around about 200,000 tonnes, but in total it's about 600,000. So that's essentially mainly sort of painted steel strip or pre-finished steel OCS products. Yep. 
then we've got the tubes businesses, uh, so hollow sections, hot and cold, uh, UK and NL, mainly based. And then you've got um, the building systems businesses further downstream, which are producing uh, end products for the construction market itself. So things like insulated panels, uh, confloor steel for uh, high-rise buildings, uh, and those sites, we've got around about 10 businesses located across um, 12 geographies in total. Yeah, it's extremely diverse, isn't it? And I suppose, uh, you know, if you, if you include, as you mentioned, tubes, you know, you go for everything from uh, tubes that go into the stadium, like the Millennium Stadium, I guess, places like that, and and to football stadiums, right down to, to kind of lintels and and small consumer-type products in, in uh, Katnik. Um, you know, how, how different are the supply chains in construction? I mean, they, they, they are, it's really varied by, particularly by the different sort of those three business areas. I mean, um, colours and building systems essentially are, are very much in similar supply chains, um, looking mainly at the building envelope. So uh, external cladding materials for logistics centres, stadiums, um, all sorts of sort of constructions uh, but colours essentially are painting and supplying a pre-finished steel that goes into a building systems business or um, one of building systems competitors so they're, they're very much in the same supply chain uh, but uh, at different parts of the supply chain. Uh, in both cases we tend to try and be active in engaging with um, the the top of the supply chain, so developers, architects, engineers, specifiers, um, and we try and influence from the top and create a pull for our products to the market. Yeah. Um, but also we have to be obviously competitive for, with our direct customers who have the option to choose from our products or competitors' materials. So subcontractors and main contractors in the in the construction chain are constantly trying to value engineer projects. Uh, tubes can be a little bit different um, because we sold our downstream business in the tubes area a few years ago. Um, unfortunately, what we do tend to see is a lot of distributors in that chain. So yeah. in a lot of cases, while we do do a lot of work with engineers and try and specify our products, particularly sort of hot form products like Celsius, we what we find is um, that we then sell into a distribution chain and we can't always track our products right the way through to the end project. But clearly, you know, as you mentioned, projects like the Real Madrid Stadium that we, we're just about to, to supply or uh, Anfield, which is obviously as a Liverpool fan is a yeah. favourite for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You can clearly see our product going into those end, end uses. Yeah, and, and I guess, you know, on one hand, that makes it more complex because you've got long and convoluted supply chains. But I guess on the other hand, as a marketeer yourself, Paul, it must be quite exciting uh, and a very different challenge to persuade the architects and the developers and the, and, the, and the local authorities and stuff to buy products that are actually quite removed down the supply chain to choose Tata Steel products. You know, what sort of a challenge does that create for you and how successful do you think Tata Steel is in promoting its brands and its products to, to the end of that supply chain? You know, how important is branding and, and, and company reputation? I think you know. I think certainly branding, and particularly some of the some of the brands that we have based in the UK, such as Celsius, um, Color Coat, Comfloor, um, they're they're really really strongly recognised brands, and 
Um, we, we can always do more, but um, what we've found is really just, and, and for many years, we have really tried to focus on what is the benefit to the end customer here uh, and to the client. So, you know, in, in Colour Code, we focus on things like uh, Confidex. So, you know, guarantee de-risking the building for the building owner. Yeah. Um, you know, Celsius will be around speed of build. Uh, Confloor will again be spill, speed of build, efficiency, and just, just real benefits. So it, for us, it, it's always been about trying to supply a solution uh, and then construction solution and a system which is is of interest and benefit to the end customer. And if you can do that, then you can add value throughout the chain. And that that's not a new concept, I don't think, to construction. It's something we've we've done for for many years, and and we've to a large degree reaped some of the benefits of that. And in terms of where we sit in value uh, in returns for the products in the chain, uh, particularly in the UK. Yeah, and I think for 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 many years of my career, I think the construction sector has been seen as within Tata Steel certainly leading the way in in branding its products and promoting those brands through the supply chain. And I I, I hear that uh, in in recent months of the pandemic, um, that has really demonstrated its value because of course your offerings are not a UK to UK. Uh, only relationship. You've got uh, a strong market in Europe. Can you tell us how international uh, Tata Steel's construction offering is? Yeah, certainly. So, I mean, I mean, just to give an idea, as I mentioned earlier, we're around about 1.5 million tonnes. Um, in total, the UK volume is around 600,000, and then we're around 900,000 tonnes actually across Europe in total. Um, a lot of the European, European business is you know, certainly colours based. We, we've got a site in Maubeuge in France, which is producing 300,000 plus tonnes of, of OCS. Yep. Uh, we've got tube sites spread across the Netherlands, uh, making a couple of couple hundred thousand tonnes as well. And then I mentioned we've got building systems businesses um, in Switzerland, Germany, uh, France, Netherlands as well as the Nordics as well and then wow. smaller representation from businesses like Katnik in the UK and in Germany and obviously our UK building systems businesses as well so broad geographic spread and then actually additionally to that we also have a site a physical operation uh, in uh, the Middle East, in Dubai, which what they do in Dubai, they try and approach the, the Middle East market, which has obviously got massive growth potential in terms yeah. of construction, uh, yeah. both in, in, in Dubai itself, but also Qatar and Saudi Arabia. So what we try and supply there is a one construction solution. Uh, they they operate some confloor lines in Dubai, but what they will also do is as a sales office promote our branded products into the region and and we do have a lot of success in um branded products in particular traveling across the globe uh, yeah. in the uk uk so yeah. uh, we also see you know branded products selling into geographies in you know recently one of our customers has opened up in america uh, we've just developed unbelievably supplying food safe products into china recently as well so yeah we we do have quite a broad geographical spread yeah and i'm sure that will have uh, you know helped soften the blow 
when the pandemic struck. And if if we go back to March, it, it sometimes somehow seems a long time ago. Another aspect doesn't seem very long ago at all. But we heard from Kevin Edgar when we were talking to him about the automotive sector that that industry literally dropped off a cliff uh, at the end of March and and in early April. How did that time feel from a construction perspective? Because there seem to be stories from London where the only the only people on the tube trains were construction workers. Did it did it come to a dramatic stop like automotive, or was it more gradual? Did it pick up quicker? How did it how did it go in those early days, Paul? I think it's I mean it's worth sharing that you know, we did definitely see a difference in geographical behaviour, um, which was very noticeable. So our European markets actually remained reasonably strong in terms of places like Germany. Um, and the Netherlands, where they, they appeared to very quickly adapt construction sites, keep construction sites going. Uh, but in France and the UK, what we, we saw was construction sites, as you as you rightly say, close very quickly. And, and there was quite a sort of public backlash about and nervousness around social distancing. And, and you you saw visibly on TV certain certain hosts even you know, put, posting pictures of tube trains and people going into construction sites, and and that that really wasn't helpful for us because, um, actually, you know, what we find found in reality is most sites adapted quite quickly, but um, some of the the government reactions were local lockdowns and and stop production and uh, until the rules were in place, so. The impact on that was for us April and April and May order books were were down significantly. I would say in the UK and France, but the rest of our order books, so those businesses such as Colours who were were supplying who do supply other countries, were probably uh, softened a little bit. They didn't quite see the full reaction. So you know those first two months were were difficult, but since June we've seen. A ramp up and I think the real construction market in the UK now is probably round about 80% in reality um, yeah. of normal conditions it's still not there all, all the way but yeah we're sort of 80 maybe 85%. Yeah. And you mentioned there, Paul, about uh, you know, the impact of government measures or even government statements on different sectors and consumer and society's behaviour. And I mentioned at the beginning of the pod about Boris's build, build, build ambitions. It was a very bold statement and uh, as I said, should be music to the construction sector's ears. But, you know, here we are a few months later. Have you seen any evidence of businesses such as house builders and some of these bigger infrastructure projects such as HS2 starting up again yet? Um, yeah, I mean, he, he announced, I think it was June the 30th, a five billion pound investment uh, in construction. Um, and some of that actually was a re-announcement of of investments previously committed um, and, and we have seen some of those projects get started we we've got um, HS2 we've been called into a number of meetings looking at you know what the next steps are um, I think uh, social housing in particular uh, is a huge drive across the UK uh, to get kick social housing off and then public sector projects, particularly hospitals and schools projects. And, yeah. and a lot of this was kind of planned previously, but we're we're starting to see movement on it in terms of discussions, projects, specifications being discussed and, and a real push actually to promote 
increased productivity through off-site manufacturing uh, or design for manufacturing as we tend to call it but mm. mod- modular as most people would call it because we we need to build buildings faster quicker um, less need for skills um, uh, on those buildings to to actually make it cheaper to construct them and more efficient yeah. so we're seeing a drive towards it, but I think the real impact on the, the sort of order book, we'll start to see that kick in probably the back end of 2021 before we really see it. Yeah. On, a, on a negative, I guess, one one thing we, we did see slip is um, Heathrow. We were we had a, an opportunity in Shotton to be part of the Heathrow supply chain. We were down yeah. to the last 10 in terms of being one of the potential hubs. Uh, and given the situation with travel and aviation, I think that's probably off the table, at least for a few years at the moment. But um, there are other opportunities out there, that's for sure. And then one thing for me is in a period of change like this is actually whilst the, there are challenges, there are also a, a lot of opportunities for us, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and change is a particularly relevant word. And it's something I was going to go on to um, that in a, in a relatively short period of time, in the last six months, you know, people have started talking about some pretty big ideas, haven't they, in terms of uh, uh, how people's behaviours and working behaviours and habits will change and some of the implications that might have on the construction industry. So, you know, we've seen so many more people working from home and people believe that's going to become more permanent uh, and what impact that has on where people choose to live uh, and the impact on on large organisations and whether they want to have big corporate headquarters in the centre of cities and or, or whether they want to, you know, release themselves from from the rates and everything that, that comes with that. How are we in Tata Steel viewing those potential changes in society uh, as an issue, whether it's for, you know, refurbishments or change of purpose of, of some of these uh, buildings as society changes? I mean, you're absolutely right. The pandemic has obviously changed, changed the landscape massively. Um, and... The, the obvious one, I guess, that, that we're sort of seeing is the the work from home um, and the likelihood of that increasing. We are we have definitely started to see a little bit of a slowdown in terms of um, requirement for office accommodation. But uh, what we are where there were offices planned, um, there is the potential to switch those uses to uh, high-rise, sort of mid-rise residential accommodation. So I think there's likely to be an increase in that. We knew student accommodation was increasing. Um, one of the biggest changes, I would say, though, and we we kind of seen started to see some of this anyway, is is the increase in deliveries and home shopping. So we we we'd had a view that. Um, there'll be an increase in the sort of large mega sheds in regions and then a, a development of what they term last mile sheds okay. so Amazon will have sort of you know logistics sheds just sat on the outside of major conurbations and a move to same day delivery rather than next day delivery that is is only increasing from what we can see and and as it happens for us in construction, particularly the building envelope, logistics sheds is really where we tend to focus a lot. Um, so, you know, there's definitely, as I say, opportunities come out of adversity in many cases. So that that's one area. Housing is an interesting one where, again, definite slowdown, obviously house builders unsure of what to do. Are you going to get... Um, 
people going out and buying houses um, if they're uncertain about you know future sort of their own future situation and jobs. Yeah. But you know the government again is it's very clear over the before the pandemic there was a need. I think the numbers are three hundred thousand houses required a year, um, and traditional house builds can only ma- manage maximum around about one hundred and thirty thousand. So the, there's again the the view is that gap will be filled by uh, off-site construction or modular construction, and steel ha- lends itself very very well to that opportunity um, yeah. and that, that those are the opportunities we're looking to get involved with really so um i guess the other bit as well is you mentioned earlier on about hs2 mm. um the good thing about hs2 is it's not necessarily in itself a huge opportunity for us you know stations and so on are important mm. but what what we would expect to see is actually the the infrastructure um, and the growth in the north that is planned off the back of that would be something we would look to to get involved with. And you know, the idea of people living you know, further further north, uh, sustainable houses, uh, offices um, in villages rather yeah. than city centres is something we're starting to see. So, adapting ourselves to the to the new opportunities is something we've really got to do. And it sounds quite exciting, and you know, and, you know detecting your, your tone that you know your world is full of opportunities rather than, than challenges, and that's a fantastic thing to hear. But I guess you know here we sit in early October, the cases are going up, the lockdowns are coming in. You know, is this going to start setting the construction sector back again? Do you think? Yeah, I, I'm I'm not convinced it will. I mean, it depends if we went national lockdown potentially, but the the government is appearing to want to try and keep the economy going construction has adapted itself very quickly obviously we've got to to manage and and sites and our own businesses you know from a manufacturing perspective we have got to be um you know, make sure we abide by the guidelines um but the we we have managed to continue to produce throughout the pandemic um and i think you know construction appears to be you know the way forward and and green construction is definitely something which the government wants to push and it sits really in the middle of you know exactly what we want to do which is find solutions for our customers and we're seeing our customers more and more want to to focus on sustainability and and actually that's something that we've been driving towards for the last sort of five ten years anyway where we can yeah, and, and you must be a mind reader because it was where I was going to take you next because I remember talking to Kevin Edgar about the environmental challenges in the automotive sector and the different powertrains and moving from diesel to electric and you know the life cycle analysis and recyclability and so forth. It's a challenge in every single sector and every aspect of society and, and probably none less so in construction has always been an issue between competing materials and methods of build and so forth. Um, but particularly in the, in the construction industry, you know, what role does steel have as being part of the solution uh, to the environmental issues in, in society? I mean, this for me is, is, talk about the opportunities, this is the most exciting thing of all. Um, from, from the construction perspective, and particularly a UK element, um, you know, we, we've done a lot of work as I said, over the last few years focused on what we can do with our solutions in terms of improving the operational performance of buildings. 
So things like Partel, uh, the government brought out and they've constantly looked to improve air tightness and insulation and looked at incorporating renewables into buildings. Um, but the real focus now, uh, and we're seeing a massive change, and this is one of the biggest changes for, through the pandemic, is a huge focus on the climate emergency. So architects yeah. and engineers are out there specifying sort of low carbon solutions, which they they view as being you know immediate low carbon at the gate. Um, and actually, you know, steel on a through life cycle basis is is one of the most, as as we know, recyclable products in the world. So yeah. um, the the idea that we can create buildings and solutions that you can put together and unbolt is gives us all sorts of opportunities but also you know through the chain um and particularly you know downstream as well as upstream there are opportunities for us all to influence the embodied carbon and the footprint so right. taking sustainability to heart looking at every project whether it be how we produce a steel what we're procuring but also how we can help influence and design buildings for me, there's a massive opportunity for us to not only decarbonize our own business, but help to change the footprint um, of the market uh, altogether. You know, construction is steel and construction are two of the highest contributors to carbon um, in the world. And we're sat in the middle of both of those. And yeah. the, the idea that we could really put our stamp on, you know, what's happening in the market and make a change to the world and, and really improve the world for for our, our children is uh, is actually important to me and I think um, is something that the sector and the people that work within our business want to get behind. And it's a very strong message and it's fantastic to hear you speak so positively about it and you know full, full of hope and expectation and uh... I know we've covered a huge amount of ground uh, today, Paul, and uh, I know you're an extremely busy man, but it's been a fascinating insight into, uh, I think, what is Tata Steel's largest uh, sector. I'm sure we all hope that the construction sector can lead the way out of this pandemic and be a strong part of that R that I mentioned at the beginning, the recovery. Uh, certainly a long way to go. I understand that. But, uh, you know, from everything you've said today, I think people should feel more positive about the, the future for stealing construction and uh, have great faith in you and your colleagues and in the, in the operational teams and the marketing teams and the sales teams um, because you clearly understand the sector well. I think we've got a good reputation in the marketplace uh, as a company and for our products and uh, and plenty of new ideas clearly uh, and especially supporting the sustainability agenda which people are so uh, impatient for. Um, you know, let's just hope that uh, between us we have the opportunity to show what we're made of uh, in the coming months. Yeah, no, thanks. I, I, uh, I think there's, uh, as you say, right, so there's a lot of opportunities and um, there's a lot of good people working in the sector uh, and working hard to, to deliver the results, um, which I think we've, we've, we've managed to have a reasonable year um, so far. But um, yeah, there's always plenty to go at. Fantastic. Paul, thanks very much for your time today. Cool. And uh, yeah, it'd be lovely to catch up again next year and uh, and see how things are progressing, especially around that uh, sustainability front. Because I think there's some fascinating projects uh, across the UK, certainly I'm sure further afield, that uh, are, are already demonstrating what might be possible. And 
uh, you know, it's a sector that everybody has an interest in. We all, you know, live and work in buildings and uh, and, and concerned about the future. So thank you ever so much for your time. And uh, yeah, hopefully speak to you soon. OK, thanks, Tim. So what a fascinating insight that was into Tata Steel's single largest sector, one which, like others, had suffered the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, but one that has benefited through the downturn from great branded products, strong relationships in export markets, and a wide team of people continually pushing the boundaries of technology to develop solutions truly valued by the supply chains. Not only that, the Tata Steel team seems to be leading the way on being part of the solution about sustainability in construction. So while it still might not be business as usual, anyone listening to Paul today cannot fail to be inspired for the future of Tata Steel in construction. At least one society is offered more freedoms and Paul's team can crack on with what they're best at. If today's podcast made you prick up your ears and got your steel industry juices flowing, why not subscribe to Steelcast on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can listen to previous episodes from around the UK and hear from more proud and passionate steelworkers. See you next time when we delve into another part of one of the UK's longest standing, most essential and best loved industries. 